In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The thought that he might write a children's story first occurred to C.S. Lewis in September of 1939, but he didn't complete his first one until almost a decade after that, and believe it or not, I cannot remember reading these stories until I was in college. This is my set. Uh, I don't know what Christmas I got them, Uh, and a long time ago I lost one of the volumes, but in these pages I first met the Pevensey children and Mr. Tumnus the fawn, Reepicheep the mouse at arms and Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, the white witch Diggory, the great lion Aslan. Probably most if not all of us know the stories, but what's lesser known is the circumstances from which the stories were written. Uh, In Lewis's family, uh, they called him Jack. It was his nickname, and it's the the name of this biography by George Sayer. And although Jack was born in Northern Ireland, he always denied being Irish. He much preferred to be uh, Welsh, his uh, great-grandfather having once tilled the Wales' soil. But as a boy, Jack was in Belfast. And Belfast was not a very light place. There was serious overcrowding in the city, a substandard sewage system, a shortage of clean water. And at one point, outbreaks of cholera and typhus and typhoid reduced the average life expectancy for a time to just nine years. The polio epidemic was surging across the world. And when Jack was a child, a million people a year died in Europe from tuberculosis. For kids between 15 and 25, half the deaths in Belfast were from TB. Years later, Jack's brother Warren would remember the fear that gripped every home in Belfast and the elaborate measures that were taken to prevent contracting infection. Whenever it was damp, the the brothers were quarantined. And in a city like Belfast, that meant lots and lots of isolation. Warner remembered, we spent an extraordinary amount of time shut up indoors. We would gaze out of our nursery window at the slanting rain and the gray skies. And there, beyond a mile or so of sodden meadow, we would see the dim high line of the Castle Ray Hills, our world's limit, a distant land, strange and unattainable. Jack left Ireland. He spent his 19th birthday in the trenches in France, on the front lines of the Great War. He was wounded in that hellish conflict, and like his friend J.R.R. Tolkien, the war would change forever the way that he saw the world. It darkened it, it, it cast it 
in shadow. He lived through the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918 and 19. And it turned out that the Great War wouldn't be his last because as an Oxford academic, Lewis and his countrymen faced another war against Hitler's Germany. But it's in the Second War that something happened to Lewis. He was at his home, a place that it was called the Kilns, about three miles into a secluded place, three miles from uh, the center of Oxford. And something happened when he took in a number of children. These were children that had evacuated from London and other cities to uh, escape the German bombing. And with no children of his own, Jack decided the best way to entertain his young guests was with stories. And so he started with a fragment about four children, two boys and two girls, who were taken from their homes, separated from their parents, sent to live with a strange old professor in a creaky house in rural England. Without those children at the kilns in World War II, maybe we never have the Chronicles of Narnia. I wonder sometimes about our storytellers. Without the troubles that he saw, would Jack have written the way that he did? All that he lived through birthed a longing in him, and it shows up in his stories. In one of my favorite passages at the beginning of uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, He's, uh, to describe the way that Narnia is laying under a curse, uh, Mr. Tumnus says this. He says, it is winter in Narnia and has been for ever so long. The white witch has got all of Narnia under her thumb. Always winter, never Christmas. Think of that. Always winter, never Christmas. It feels a lot to me like the way that 2020 has felt. Narnia was a world in bondage to the white witch, a world under a curse, a world not as it should be, a world longing for light, a world very, very much like ours. Stephen Garber is a uh, professor and senior fellow at the Murdoch Charitable Trust. He wrote an essay last week He said, like every other son of Adam and daughter of Eve, I feel the winter of this weary world. This week, the death of a long friend and the death of a long marriage. This year, the deaths of other friends at moments that seem too soon. For every one of us, with our families, our friends, our neighbors, our cities, in every relationship, In every way, we are burdened by what is tragically not the way it is supposed to be. And beyond what we see with our own eyes, the day-by-day onslaught of the news of the world is more often than not a window into a heartache and horror that seem impossible to explain. Winter in the world, always COVID and never Christmas. 
It takes a long dark to really long for the light. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. These words that we read tonight that are so familiar to us because of Handel's Messiah, they come from Isaiah chapter 9. And the commentaries say that it appears that Isaiah was borrowing, that he took language and imagery from some kind of a liturgy, a ritual for the coronation of a king. Because remember the story, the history. Judah was in exile in the 6th century B.C. Assyria had conquered most of the Near East, and Zedekiah was the last Jewish king whose reign ended when Nebuchadnezzar the Babylonian sacked Jerusalem. And the long night of exile began. It was to a people in exile, to a people bound in darkness, that Isaiah came. And his prophecies sang to them. They sang to people of a coronation, of a king that would make all things right. Just listen to the language. You have multiplied the nation. That's extending boundaries. It's taking enemy territory. The people rejoice as people exult when dividing plunder. That's sharing spoils of war. For the yoke of their burden, the rod of their oppressor you have broken. That's liberation from an occupying force. All the boots of the trampling warriors shall be burned up. It is time to put away the weapons. It is armistice day at last. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And with the birth of this child, this king, we find the darkness ended. That's the song the psalmist sang. That's who the shepherds saw when they came down from the hills. The long dark was ending. A baby had been born. You know, um, Tolkien actually didn't even really like Lewis's Narnia stories. By all accounts, he never even read them through all the way to the end. He didn't, Tolkien didn't like mixing uh, genres. He didn't like fairies and talking animals in the same story. Dryads and dragons and Roman gods and chivalrous knights all jumbled together in a great mishmash. And he particularly didn't like one part of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. It's toward the end of the book. It's in a chapter called The Spell Begins to Break. And in this part of the story, a sledge shows up in a wood, and riding on the sledge is Father Christmas. It's Santa Claus, for heaven's sake. He has gifts for all the country, all the company. He has a little a new sewing machine for Mrs. Beaver. Uh, a sword and a shield for Peter, a bow and arrow for Susan, for Lucy, a healing elixir and a dagger. And then Father Christmas says this, here is something for the moment for you all. And he brought out, I suppose, from the big bag at his back, but nobody quite saw him do it, 
a large tray containing five cups and saucers, a bowl of lump sugar, a jug of cream, and a great big teapot, all sizzling and piping hot. And then he cried out, Merry Christmas, long live the true King. Lewis knew the long dark of war and pandemic. It's why he longed for the light. And it's why Father Christmas comes in this story, I think. It's why all of his stories are full of hope, the hope that we need right now. In a year when we've known darkness like never before, tonight we hear good news of great joy. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The curse is broken and light dawns in the dark. So Merry Christmas. Long live the true King. Amen.